Hey, howdy, space nerds. As you know, this podcast is supported by you, the listener. Now, you can show your support by picking up your very own Are We There Yet? mission patch by visiting wmfe.org patch. The contribution goes straight to this podcast. All right, on to the show. From the studios at WMFE in Orlando, Florida, this is the Space Exploration Podcast that asks the question, are we there yet? Hi, I'm Brendan Byrne. Last week, NASA announced commercial crew assignments. The commercial crew program will launch astronauts to the International Space Station from U.S. soil the first time since 2011, and NASA is doing it with private companies SpaceX and Boeing. The idea is more than 10 years in the making, and the program has faced some challenges and roadblocks. To bring us up to speed, we're joined by Space News senior staff writer Jeff Faust. But before we talk to Jeff, let's hear from some of the astronauts flying on these first missions. Boeing is building its Starliner capsule at the Kennedy Space Center. The astronauts assigned to Starliner launches visited the facility and the launch pad. I caught up with them during their tour. You know, for the first time in a, in a, in a half of a decade, uh, you know, suddenly America is getting jazzed about its space program again. And that's not to say we haven't been doing wonderful things for the last uh, eight years or so, but uh, the ISS is a wonderful tool and we've been manning it uh, continuously for 18 years. But there is just something compelling about uh, mankind's ability to constrain all these energetic propellants to create thrust that comes out of the backside of an engine and make a lot of smoke and noise and send people to a place that, you know, just a small fraction of us have had the honor to be. And, and I, I sort of see that resurgence again, especially in young men and women. Uh, you know, the first, the first thing I notice is I get in and I go, hey, this looks kind of like our trainers, right? <laughs> Which actually is a really good thing. We have mock-ups there at JSC, uh, simulators, and it looks quite accurate. Uh, but then you get that feeling that you know, wow, this is real hardware though, this is a real spacecraft. Uh, so I was pretty excited to see that similarity. It's pretty exciting to be on the coast, seeing all the launch pads and particularly being on the, on the uh, you know, pad 41 up on the crew access arm and in the white room, you know, looking through that little hole where we're actually gonna have a spacecraft next time uh, before too long and climb into it. And then coming here to the C3PF and seeing all this. I mean, it's hardware all over the place. You know, this used to be a, a shuttle garage, and now it's a, a processing facility for all of these new spacecraft, and uh, we're looking forward to, to uh, working with them. So, you know, I grew up, uh, you know, like a, a lot of kids, uh, being uh, interested in, this, in doing this. Um, I never actually thought I'd uh, be able to do it, um, but I was able to have a career of doing things that I was incredibly passionate about. Um, that I love doing and maybe even someday we'll be able to get back to doing um, that happen to be a good fit for NASA. So um, to have thought about that as a kid uh, and then to be standing up there, uh, you know, on the crew access arm, uh, there in the white room, um, having Sonny tell me, hey, this is where you're going to call your family uh, right before we, uh, we go to launch. And I thought she was kidding, but no, truly, I'll be able to give my family a call uh, before, we, uh, before we make it up there to the space station and I call them again and let them know we made it. Yep. Um, so. It just really put it all, uh, all in one unbelievable package. Spaceflight, hopefully spaceflight will become like flying airplanes. You know, people fly around on airplanes, don't really think about it, but the day's coming when we'll be looking at, looking at when's their spaceship, why, why is it late? Not everyone will be astronauts going up in the space. So that'll be a huge success story. That was Boeing astronaut Chris Ferguson and NASA astronauts Nicole Mann, Sonny Williams, Josh Casada, and Eric Bowe. So let's take a step back. 
Where did this idea for private companies ferrying astronauts to the space station come from? And what does the schedule for launches look like now that the crew is assigned? For more on NASA's commercial crew program, we are joined by Jeff Faust. He's the senior staff writer at SpaceNews.com. Jeff, thanks for speaking with us. Thanks for the invitation. Well, Jeff, uh, let's kind of take a, 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 a broad look. Give us the elevator pitch. What is NASA's commercial crew program? The commercial crew program is an effort by NASA to work with industry to develop new spacecraft capable of transporting astronauts to and from the International Space Station. NASA hasn't had the ability to get its astronauts to the space station since the end of the space shuttle program in 2011 and had to rely on the Russians. Uh, the commercial crew program is designed to restore that capability to the U.S. while also potentially stimulating other markets uh, for commercial human spaceflight. And where did this idea or when did this idea come about and how did we get to where we are today with this program? You know, the, the idea of commercial crew is actually a lot older than some people think. Back in uh, 2005, 2006, one NASA program, which resulted in uh, SpaceX's Dragon and uh, Orbital's now Northrop Grumman Cygnus spacecraft, um, they had an option in the contracts for what was called capability D for crew. A, B, and C were for cargo. D was for crew. NASA decided not to exercise those options to do a crew vehicle, but they sort of kept the idea alive until about 2010 when NASA decided it wanted to move forward with a commercial crew program to transport astronauts after the end of the shuttle program rather than rely on the Orion spacecraft that NASA is developing for deep space exploration. That led to a series of study contracts to work on some of the technologies and resulted in 2014 in the development of, uh, or rather the award of contracts to Boeing and SpaceX for the full-fledged uh, development of the uh, CST-100 Starliner by Boeing and the Crew Dragon by SpaceX. And this is about a total cost of about $6 billion for these contracts, right? It's about $6.8 billion combined um, for the, the current contracts, which is the called Commercial Crew Transportation Capability Contracts. Uh, that covers the final development of both the Starliner and Dragon, uh, as well as uh, a set of test flights and then a first set of operational missions after those uh, test flights are complete. With the idea being NASA would purchase uh, more flights from uh, these two companies after those first missions, right? Absolutely. Um, the plan is to keep buying commercial crew flights for as long as NASA operates the space station. And there may be opportunities, depending on what the uh, future architecture for NASA's deep space exploration plans are, uh, opportunities to use those uh, commercial crew vehicles to get astronauts at least to low Earth orbit before going on uh, elsewhere. So let's talk about some of the players. There's uh, SpaceX and Boeing both using uh, kind of a capsule design, um, but is, is there any difference between um, how the two are tackling this contract? They look uh, very similar. Um, they both have that conical capsule shape. Um, they're both designed to carry uh, at least four people. Um, in some versions, you could probably squeeze up to seven people in them, but NASA only requires four. Um, there are some subtle differences uh, in the design of the two vehicles. Um, the, the Crew Dragon, as the name suggests, is based on the Cargo Dragon spacecraft that uh, SpaceX developed for transporting cargo to the space station, but with uh, significant changes in the design to be able to accommodate astronauts. And it would launch uh, on uh, its own Falcon 9 rocket, much the same way 
the uh, CST-100 Starliner uh, is designed to launch on the Atlas V from United Launch Alliance. Uh, both those launches, of course, will be taking place from uh, Cape Canaveral, Kennedy Space Center area, uh, with the option perhaps of launching ULA's next generation vehicle, the Falcon, uh, at some point in the future. Kind of walk me through how these companies went on to develop these um, these capsules. They Did they get a list of requirements from NASA and then they got to fill in the rest? Or is NASA kind of um, holding them a, a microscope close to them to uh, make sure that they're meeting certain criteria or deadlines or whatnot? Yeah, NASA has an extensive set of requirements Um both, you know, the, both the, in terms of general capabilities, but down to, you know, the various safety requirements in these vehicles in order uh, for them, for NASA to be confident that they can safely transport astronauts. Uh, but the companies do have some latitude in the design. Um, they can come up with their own approaches for doing various aspects of the vehicle design so long as they meet those requirements. And NASA has insight into what the companies are, go- are doing they have personnel at the uh, at the two companies to oversee what's going on. Um, they have regular series of meetings, but it's not as though NASA dictated a particular design and told them to build to that design. NASA set out the requirements, um, both in terms of what the spacecraft need to be able to do and what they need to be able to do safely to carry astronauts, and left it up to the companies to figure out how to best implement that. Now, we're starting to see more news about commercial crew, especially with the uh, announcement of of the first crew assignments um, from the Johnson Space Center. Um, But we're also starting to see some kind of delays kind of pop up in in the headlines. Can you talk about some of the stumbling blocks uh, that these companies have faced in the past few months uh, that have kind of caused the, uh, the timeline of these launches to slip a bit? Yeah, you know, and there have been delays in the program actually since the beginning. When right. uh, NASA announced the commercial crew program, the hope was to have the vehicles in operation perhaps in, as soon as 2015 or perhaps 2016. And those dates have, have slipped in part because in the early years of the program, NASA was getting less funding than they requested from Congress. Um, there was some initial congressional skepticism um, about the commercial crew program. More recently, the question has not been uh, the funding, but rather some of the technical stumbling blocks. Uh, Boeing, for example, had a uh, what they called an anomaly uh, during a test of the uh, engines that are used in the abort system of the Starliner. That would allow the capsule to get away from the Atlas V if there was a problem during launch. And during some testing on the ground in New Mexico, um, some of the valves didn't close properly at the end of the test and it caused fuel to leak and they needed to stop and figure out what was going on and what they needed to change to prevent that program, that problem rather, from occurring again in the future. So they're working through that and that's caused a delay of of a number of months. Um, And then SpaceX has been working through a number of issues, one of them being the redesign of what are are known as composite overwrap pressure vessels or COPVs uh, in the Falcon 9 rocket. Um, they, those store helium to pressurize the uh, fuel tanks, and it was a failure of one of those COPVs that caused that uh, uh, dramatic uh, pad explosion about two years ago of a Falcon 9 during a fueling for a static fire test. And so, understandably, they had to uh, redesign uh, those tanks, and they've been working through that with NASA to ensure that the uh, design would be safe for uh, accommodating astronauts. And there was a bit of a scrutiny of 
SpaceX's fueling procedures, right? Their so-called load and go, but that that's since been resolved, right? Right. The idea of load and go is that SpaceX would um, have the astronauts board the the Dragon uh, on top of the Falcon 9 on the pad and then fuel the spacecraft immediately before launch. And that's because the Falcon 9 uses what they call um, super cool uh, propellants um, to make them denser uh, and more energetic. And they use that as a standard procedure uh, in their Falcon 9 launches today. But that goes against sort of the, the NASA heritage of fueling the rocket and then after making sure everything is stable, allowing the astronauts to uh, board the spacecraft. And so there was some back and forth between NASA and uh, uh, SpaceX on that, uh, an independent uh, safety review panel called the uh, Aerospace Safety Advisory Panel weighed in, and they said a few months ago they didn't see an issue with uh, uh, load and go. They thought it was feasible, and NASA has actually recently decided to go ahead uh, with that load and go approach after uh, concluding that uh, any of the safety concerns they might have uh, once had have been resolved. Now, let's talk about the, the crew announcement that happened uh, just a short while ago from the Johnson Space Center, um, where um, the new NASA Administrator, uh, Jim Bridenstein, um, kind of unveiled who was flying on what and when. Um, can you kind of give us a sense of the new timeline um, that's, that we're, we're working with now as to when these first uncrewed flights will happen and then those first crewed test flights? Each company uh, has to do two test flights. The first is an uncrewed test flight to make sure that the uh, spacecraft is performing as expected, and then a crewed test flight with two or three people on board that would actually fly to the International Space Station, dock there, and spend at least a couple of weeks there. SpaceX is currently planning to do its uncrewed test flight this November. Uh, it would be followed by the crewed test flight with two NASA astronauts on board. Um, that would be in April of next year. Those schedules, of course, are subject to change and wouldn't be surprised if those dates slipped, even if there were no major problems, simply because of uh, both the, the various issues, getting everything ready for launch, but also making sure that uh, there's no conflicts with other vehicles visiting the uh, International Space Station. Boeing plans to do its uncrewed test flight in uh, around the end of this year or early next year. They're a little bit more vague on the exact dates of their schedules. Uh, and that would be followed by the crew test flight in uh, mid-2019 with two NASA astronauts as well as Chris Ferguson, a former NASA astronaut who is now a Boeing employee uh, flying that mission. And kind of tell me, you know, Jeff, as, as someone who covers space news um, for as long as you have, I mean, what is the the part my pun the, the gravity of this kind of program actually launching humans for the first time well you know this is a a huge milestone in um space flight uh in general uh every uh human that has gone into orbit so far um, has done so on a government spacecraft, whether that was Mercury, Gemini, Apollo, the shuttle in, in, uh, in the American space program, or the Soyuz and its predecessors in Russia, or the Shenzhou spacecraft in China, all are government programs. They may have carried um, commercial passengers on board, some space tourists, for example, but they're all government-run, 
um, government-funded programs. This will be the first time that you have a commercial spacecraft uh, run by and funded at least partially by the companies carrying astronauts, um, initially NASA astronauts, but potentially also commercial passengers on board uh, into orbit. And uh, that's a that's a huge milestone. Um, you know, when you think about it, um, it didn't take uh, 60 years in aviation uh, before we started uh, flying uh, commercial airplanes, um, but it's taken that long um, almost in uh, space flight before we have commercially operated human spacecraft. So this is a major milestone for NASA. It's a major milestone for space flight. Well, Jeff Faust is the senior staff writer at SpaceNews.com. Jeff, uh, thanks for bringing us up to speed. Thanks, Brandon. It was a pleasure. Be sure to give Jeff a follow on Twitter. Always a great source for Space News. He's at Jeff underscore Faust. Support for Are We There Yet comes from our listeners. Our theme music was composed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Space News online at WMFE.org slash space. Have a story idea? Maybe a space question? Email me at arewetheryet at wmfe.org or hit me up on Twitter. I'm at SpaceBrendan. And while you're at it, be sure to rate and review this podcast so more people can explore exploration with us. Until next time, I'm Brendan Byrne. Thanks for listening.